Uh, if you are new and it's your first time, we, uh, we tend to go through series here at Connect. So we'll continue through you know, several weeks of one theme, and then we'll go to another series. And the series that we're in right now uh, is called The Ladder, as you saw in the video there. And um, The Ladder, the idea behind The Ladder is we've actually been talking about generosity We've been talking about generosity, we've been talking about money, we've been talking about resources, we've been talking about what the Bible has to say about money, what God has to say, and Jesus and, and Paul in their teachings about the, the money that we've been blessed with. And, and I'll be honest with you, as the lead pastor, it's, it's, it's a little tricky to talk about this. I, I struggle a little bit, you know, I find it hard to talk about this sometimes, and, and part of the reason is, I think, because there's just this kind of opinion out there, I think people think, you know, oh, the church, all they want is your money, or I used to go to church, and all the pastor ever talked about was money this, money that, give here, give there, and, and, and I really don't think we're like that here at Connect, we try very hard not to be like that, but the sad thing is, unfortunately, there are situations where you can see that being said, you can read about that, um, I actually came across a news article here just uh, uh, this week in preparing for my message. It happened uh, not too long ago. It was down in Florida. So we'll pull that slide up there. It says, Florida Church sends a $1,000 connection notice to single mother for failure to tithe. Seriously? And she's like, this church decided that she hadn't been tithing, so they sent her a collection notice. Now, this particular church, it was called the Great Mount Moriah Primitive Baptist Church. Uh, I apologize this morning if you are joining us from the Great Mount Moriah Primitive, Primitive, whatever that is, Baptist Church. But um, in the letter, the church laid out the explanation for the demands. It said, um, we here at uh, the church, we, we expect fees of $50 a month from every attender. Uh, obviously, a yearly anniversary fee of $250. And then another $150 for Mount Moriah Day. Uh, there were even extra charges they told her about because she had children. You know, oh, if you're bringing children, yeah, there's going to be more expenses associated with that. Now, I, I get it. I understand the difficulty this church has. Maybe they just bought a new sign to go outside, and it was going to cost a lot of money to get that many letters for their sign. I mean, Great Mount Moriah Primitive Baptist. That's a big sign. So obviously there's a great need for resources there. But here at Connect, we don't actually believe in sending out letters, demanding fees, telling you that you owe us money, or, or where is it? But the truth is that I do believe that the Bible teaches us a lot about money, about what God's given us. And to be honest with you, even though I've struggled a little bit teaching on this, because I always have stories like this in the back of my mind, um, I've been so encouraged by so many of you. So many of you have stopped me at the uh, lobby and just told me a story. I said, hey, Dave, let me just tell you about something that happened to me when, when we gave, or there was a time in our lives where we, we couldn't afford to give, but we gave anyway, and God just blessed us this way. And I'm, I'm hearing amazing stories. I can remember talking just in this hallway out here once with a guy, and it's just tears in his eyes as he shared just how they'd seen God at work in their life providing because they'd chosen to, to put their finances first and say, God, we want you to be in control of these finances. I've had emails, I had a phone call this week from a gentleman who, who said, Dave, he said, I, I want to talk to you about giving a gift to the church because just the last two weeks at work, my business that I run, we've had, been at an incredible time. Tens of thousands of dollars of, of business that we hadn't expected and I just want to give back to God. I believe that he's blessing my workplace and I want to give some money to Connect. I've seen Facebook posts of people sharing how God's been stretching them in this area. And it's just so, so encouraging to see that this is something that people are saying, listen, I know this is a big deal. That's why I want God to have control of this area of my life. 
I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to hold on to it so tightly that it actually does me harm. Did you know that um, in India, um, this is a long time ago, they, uh, they used to try and, um, uh, they would have to catch monkeys, okay? Hunters would try and catch monkeys. And um, I'm just actually going to the sound team. I don't know, can we, we, are we recording this? If not, hit play on the video if you wouldn't mind, on the video recorder. Um, so in order to catch monkeys, okay, they would get coconuts, and they would cut a very small hole in the top of the coconut, and then they would tie string um, around the coconut. And then that string, they would stretch out into the bushes. And then what they would put inside the coconut is they would put um, dried fruit, peanuts, things that monkeys liked. So they would leave it there in the open, and before long, a monkey would come along, and, and he'd see these goodies inside the coconut, and he'd reach in, and he'd grab them. And once he'd grabbed them and his fist was tight inside that coconut, the hunter would pull on the string, and it would pull the monkey towards him. And the monkey would get closer and closer. Then he'd throw a net over him and capture the monkey. Now, if you're like me, you're out there thinking, well, that's ridiculous. If the monkey got his hand into the coconut, why couldn't he just take it out of the coconut and escape? Well, it's because monkeys are pretty selfish. They're pretty greedy. And what would actually happen was the monkey wouldn't let go of the goodies that were inside. That was what was causing his, his fist not to be able to get out of that small hole. So he, he held on so tightly to this, this small pleasure, this small treat, that actually ended up costing him his life. And I think sometimes we do that. We, we hold on so tightly to these resources and we think, if I, if I ease up here, if I'm, if I'm generous here, if I try and it's going to cost me. But actually holding on tight can very often be the worst thing for us. That could be the most harmful thing for us. That's why we've been talking about this idea of generosity. And we've been talking about it in terms of this ladder here. So on the first week, the, uh, the idea was I, I challenged us to step up. I said, what would it look like in your life to step up onto the ladder? Stepping up was becoming an, an initial giver. Maybe for some of you, you were challenged that week and thought, I've never given before. I'm going I'm to do that. I'm going to go to that first step and become an initial giver. The idea of just giving first when, when we're paid, saying, I want to set some, before I've even paid any other bills, I'm going to give to the church because I think this is something that God would have me do. Then last Sunday, we, we challenged you a little bit higher. We said, well, what about becoming a proportional giver? A proportional giver. We said, why not move up to the next step and become a proportional giver? That was the idea that I actually give a percentage. I, it's not just a, whatever happens to be in my pocket. I've got a set amount that I give. And we talked about how the Bible teaches about something called tithing, which is the 10%, and how many have chosen to, to say, I'm going to give 10%. I'm going to give 10% of what I owe, or what I owe, what I earn to the church. And that's a struggle for some, but it was, it was a challenge to, to move up. And now here we are on week three. I know some of you have been looking forward to week three because you're wondering how far up that ladder is he going to go? <laughs> is he going to go up another step? And I am because this week we're talking about looking up. Ooh. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I know some of you got your cell phones at the ready. You're like, this is going to be great. I've got to get this because this is going to end badly. But I am going to stop here because this week I'm not talking about the third rung. I'm talking about the third and the fourth and the fifth and what it looks like to keep moving up this ladder of generosity. Because the reason we're talking about um, looking up this week, going just a little bit higher, is the idea that I think for some of us, we've come to that point where we've said, you know, well, I, I, I don't just give. I, I actually give proportionally. I have this, this, this 10% that I've set aside. And then there are other of us who are thinking, Dave, come on. 
You're saying there's even higher to go? I just, I just got the, the first rung. And now you're telling me there's a second and a third and even more and more and more. How am I going to do that? But here's the thing. I think we get scared of that if we think that this is something that's going to cost us a lot. But what if, what if it's true, what I've been saying now for a couple of weeks, that it's not about what God wants from us, but about what God wants for us? It's not about what God wants from us. It's about what God wants for us. Because if God truly wants something for us, why wouldn't you want to be stretched as much as possible, to be able to experience as much as possible this life of being set free from the trappings and the worries that money so often can be, and liberated into this life, liberated into the life that we get to experience when we live generously. So I want to tell you this week about a bunch of people who climbed this ladder. A bunch of people who Paul talks about in the early church who, who gave great examples of generosity. Paul writes this letter to um, a church in, in Corinth. He actually wrote two letters, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. They were a new church, a lot like us, a church plant. Paul wrote these letters. It was only 20 years after the death of Jesus. So they were very new as far as churches go. And he wrote these two letters, and, and as a new church, they had struggles. In fact, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians was full of all sorts of challenges and, and saying, listen, you guys, you've got you to figure this out, and this is wrong, and this needs to be changed. And, and there were some things going on that, that Paul really had to bring some correction in. But 2 Corinthians is a great letter. Because a lot of it is Paul saying, listen, I'm so glad you, you paid attention to that first letter because I can really see some changes that have taken place. I can see some new things happening. I can see where you've learned from what I told you. And it's full of truth and life and encouragement. And in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, he's talking to the church about generosity. He's talking to them about generosity of other followers of Jesus in that area of the New Testament. And he's challenged them, what would it look like to, to move up this ladder? To go up beyond where you are right now. So let's listen together to what he says. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, but we're going to look here in chapter 8 verses 1 through 4. He says, and now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. You can almost hear Paul's astonishment here, can't you, as he's speaking. As he's writing these words, he says, They are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. He's saying they had less than nothing. Nothing was expected from them. Yet their joy and their faith in Jesus, it overflowed in rich generosity. And then get this. Listen to when Paul says their generosity came. He says, In the midst of many troubles... Now, we don't know what the troubles were in particular. It could have been persecution for their faith. It could have been a number of different things. But we do know that Paul is saying to these super generous people, listen, I get it. I know that times are tough. I know you're very poor. And what matters here is that this just blows up that notion, doesn't it, that generosity is something that happens to you once you have enough. Paul is talking to people here that don't have enough and commending them for their generosity. 
People in severe trials, extreme poverty, and yet they're generous and joyful. Here's another thing that Paul says to them in that short passage. He says, nobody coaxed you. Nobody tried to twist your arm or coerce you in any way. And listen to what he says. He said, this is the craziest part of all. He says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. It's as if somebody had said, it's as if Paul's saying to them, I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes I just kind of read over these words and don't really think about it. But you imagine being in that church in Corinth. Basically, Paul is saying to them, listen, it's almost like he's saying, we don't need any more. I know things are tough. You don't have to send any more. But they're not having it. They're saying, no, please, please, we want to keep giving. It says they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. It's like Paul saying, these, these followers of Jesus, they, they couldn't afford to. They were in the midst of trial, but they are begging us. They're saying, please, we want to give to help you reach these people. We want these people to discover the same Jesus we've discovered. So we want to give in order to make that happen. I'll tell you what that would be like in, in modern day. If that were to happen here in Connect Church, it would look something like this. We, we would take up the offering a little bit like we did this morning, and, and the guys would come forward, and they'd take up the offering, and then uh, they'd take it out, and they'd count it, and the service would continue on, and, and I'd be here, and I'd be uh, preaching, and it would almost be like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here preaching, and things are going really well, and one of you just puts your hands up and goes, Dave, Dave, can we do another offering? And I'm like, well, I'm just kind of preaching. No, no, come on, please. And then another one's like, yeah, yeah, come on, let's, let's do another offering. That would be a great problem to have. <laughs> Hasn't happened to me yet. Um, it may never happen to me. But that's kind of what Paul's saying here. It's like he's kind of begging, asking them not to, to keep asking. So we're going to do something special this morning. We're going to take up another offering. We're going to do just that. And here's why. We've been talking about generosity for a few weeks here. And I've had this great idea. And I need the ushers if they would make their way forward now to get ready. I want to do something tangible this morning. I want to bless some people in our communities. But... These two people do a lot in their communities, okay? They do a lot where they serve, and, and I wanted to bless them this morning. So I've got some money in my pocket that I've already set aside from the Connect budget that I want to give these individuals, one in first service, one in second. So we're going to take an offering right now, and you can help offset that expense, okay? So let me tell you about the first person who we're going to honor this morning, who we're going to bless, because this guy is very generous. And I need to check because the lights are on. He's, he's not in the room, right? We're good. All right, so... Any of you who are familiar with this school will know that there's a gentleman who works at this school. His name is Boomer. Okay, see, some of these guys know Boomer. So Boomer is the caretaker. Boomer is um, employed by the school to be here on Sunday mornings. But here's the deal. He, even though this is like part of his job, this guy's like part of our family. Every Sunday, this guy is here. He opens up early. He's the last guy to leave in his truck every Sunday morning. He chats with us. We've got to walk through some difficult things he's gone through over the last couple of years as we've talked to him, and we've got to pray with him. And there's just been some great things that have happened. Sometimes he'll sit in on the service. That's why I was making sure he wasn't actually in right now. So we're going to give him a gift this morning. Coming up to Christmas, he has no idea. In fact, I think he's actually going to be mad at me because I'm going to have him come up on the stage to give it to him. But we want to bless him this morning. So I'm going to ask the guys, if you come forward, like I say, I was prepared anyway, because I didn't want to, with it being two services, I want to give the same gift to each people in each service. So you're giving towards his gift this morning. And oh, my mouth's dry. So I'm nervous about doing this, because it's, uh, it's a great thing we're going to do. 
So, um, Lord Jesus, thank you for everyone here. Um, thank you for this opportunity to bless someone and demonstrate generosity. Bless those that give, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one of two things is going to happen here. We're Actually, one of three things. We're either going to collect the exact right amount of money that I want to give to bless Boomer and bless this person the next service. Um, we're maybe going to fall a little bit short. And if that happens, we're totally fine with this. Here at Connects, this isn't something we budgeted for, but we still believe in generosity. Otherwise, we wouldn't teach about it if we didn't believe about it. So if we're short, Connects will make up the difference. If we end up with more than we planned, well, that's my problem to figure out. This week, I'm going to ask God to show me some other people in the community that we can bless, and you'll hear those stories being told next week. So as those baskets start to go around, I just saw Chris disappear out the back door, and I think he's going to be bringing... Um, <laughs> Is he still back there? Okay, he, you can bring him in now. So we'll, we'll, do, we'll do it now. We'll bring him in. So uh, we'll give him a little round of applause, and I'll get him up here on the stage, and I'll, um, I'll, uh, I'll honor him and tell him that we think he's awesome, tell some stories about him. But then uh, I want to demonstrate generosity and the difference it can make in the life of an individual. So as they're getting him, let's... Um, let's go back to these people. So as he walks in, it looks like I'm preaching. So Paul's talking about... He's talking about these wonderful people and their spirit of generosity. Paul in the Bible is talking about people who give so much and they're so generous. And this morning, I want to talk about someone who I think is incredibly generous. And every week, he does a lot to help us here at Connect Church. And he's going to be really mad at me now. But Boomer, would you come up on the stage just for a... Now, <laughs> poor old Boomer. Boomer's had a rough couple of weeks, so they surprised him at school last week. They had Boomer Day, and they honored him, and all the kids wrote him cards, and they did great things for him. I have friends that pastor churches in schools and movie theaters and community centers. They tell me stories about the caretakers, custodians they work with, and some of them are miserable. Some of them they never get to see. This guy is a light in our lives here at Connect. He's a great guy. He... So, Boomer, we're actually talking this series about generosity, and we've got some really generous people here at Connect. You're very generous with your time. You come, you do so much, you set up, you set down, you do a lot. But we're talking about generosity. So we took up a, an offering this morning, and we want to bless you this Christmas time. So I got $500 here what? in cash. I want to. I want to. Seriously. This is for you. I know. I know. <laughs> Take it now. <laughs> I know, I know I don't have to, but we want to. We want to bless you. So listen, even though this guy is on the clock when he's here, he still gives so much more. And I've talked to him. He's told me some stories about some generous things that he's done to help other people. And uh, he's got a big heart. And I just love this guy. I want to pray for you right now, if that's all right. So, God, I just thank you for Boomer. He is such a big part of Connect Church. Lord, I just pray that he would have a wonderful Thanksgiving and Christmas and that he would have sensed this, the love and appreciation of us here for all that he does. Bless this man in the good times. Bless him in the difficult times. Let him know that there are so many here at Connect that love this guy and think he's so awesome. Bless him, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, sir. Bless you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know, I know. Hey, let me tell you one more boomer story before he goes, okay? I've been, you guys can take your seats now. 
I've had a few weeks where I've been on vacation, where I've preached to some other churches. Justin does worship. He's traveled a bit. Uh, Chris, who does an awful lot around here, there's been some times where he's been gone. Do you know there's one guy who's never, ever missed a Sunday at Connect Church, and it's this guy right here. (laughs) Perfect attendance right here. And I know that he'll use that to bless his family and friends because he's got a big heart himself. So thank you, Boomer. We love you. All right. Bless you. (laughs) And I... I I knew he'd be mad at me, so we had to do it all quick and just get him in here and get it done really quick. But, but here's the thing, and thank you for being a part of that Connect. I wanted you to see, and I've been thinking about this for weeks to come. I'm so excited about second service, and we're definitely going to video it so you get to see who we honor in second service. But I, sometimes we do these things on a Sunday. We put the money in the bucket. Or we talk about this idea of generosity, and it becomes somewhat, you know, it's, it's the idea of it's great, but it's, that's what it is, an idea. And I wanted to do something where we could see it at work. Well, you can see just the, the moment when someone receives a blessing because of your generosity. And we don't get to see that every week. We don't get to see every family in the churches in, that we helped plant in Minnesota or, or the, the families that we're impacting through Snack Pack or Threads Open Love or other agencies that connect us. We don't get to see all those physical contacts. But I want you to know that as we talk about generosity, it's not because of money or the church. Or, it's because of what it does in the lives of others but also what it does in your life too. It liberates you. You know, this, we talked about it in the first week that this ladder for some of us was in the wrong place, wasn't it? We were climbing the ladder to get more. And maybe the biggest challenge for some of us in this series is the idea that this ladder maybe is something we should be climbing to give more. God, prompt within my heart those moments where I could give. You see, these people who Paul was writing to, there was just something in them that they were generous people. I bet you've known someone like that who, who lives those kind of generous lives. And instead of giving the minimum, they're, they're looking at it in a whole different way. In fact, the more I've studied this series, the more I'm starting to realize that in the New Testament, Jesus and Paul, they didn't tell these new Christians to tithe. It's almost like that was a law for the Old Testament when people needed some kind of hard and fast standard that they could live by. But now... I think that they're, they're bringing in this new idea. It's not about um, what is the minimum I can give and still be okay with God. Okay, 10%, then I'll, that's what I'll do. No, Paul's challenging them to think differently. He's saying, listen, that's not the finish line. That's the starting line. That's what I'm talking about this week when we talk about moving up and, and looking up and, and moving even higher on the ladder. It's like, God, where can I go from here? You know, a little later, Paul writes in that same letter to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, he says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's not a have to, it's a get to. I get to give to God. I get to give to others. I get to be generous because generous people, they have this reflex to be generous with others. Because they see the difference it makes in other people's lives. When you see the need around you, you're, you're compelled to jump in and just do something to help. And as you become generous, you, you develop this sort of reflex to give when there is a need. Because you're learning to live a life where you, you hold on to your stuff and your money with open hands. You're, you've become a steward. You're saying, God, I don't want to be like the, the monkey that holds on tight. I want to just stand with open hands. So over the last two weeks, we've been talking, haven't we, about Connect's commitment to generosity around the world. Because as well as the, um, the weekly offering that we take up here each week, 
as well as that running the, the needs of the school to pay the rent, to be here, to, to pay staff, to buy equipment. We also, as a church, we've made this commitment since before we even started, that we're going to set aside 10% of everything that comes in every year. We're not going to allow that to be spent on, on staffing. We're not going to be allowed to be spent on, on um, buildings or anything like that. We want to set that aside to give away. So each year that number grows a little bit, and that's really exciting because it means we can give an impact in more places. In the first week, we talked about how some of that is used to, to influence and bless commu- our community. Organizations like Threads, Hope and Love and Snack Pack and, and other things like that here locally, my sister's house that as a church we're able to help with. Then last week, we talked about nationally, this idea that we're able to help plant churches in, in cities like Maple Grove, Minnesota, and, and some of your giving each week helped go towards making that happen. This morning, I want to talk on this final Sunday about another area that Correct Connect has chosen to give, and that's globally, internationally. You see, as a church, we made a commitment very early on that we want to impact the lives of people around the world, in particular children. We want to make a difference in the lives of children around the world. So we partnered very early on with an organization called Compassion. Compassion International, they, they, they exist to help release children from poverty in Jesus' name. So they go into communities all over Africa and Asia and South America and areas of extreme poverty. And they set up these areas where they, they, they find these children and then they, they take pictures of the children and they, um, Americans and Europeans and Australians and, and people who are just living in a much better place somewhere in the world, they can sponsor one of those children. So for $38 a month, you sponsor that child and you help provide them with food and clothing and education and just really give them a leg up from the situation they're in. It's a wonderful organization, huge statistically um, success of the, the difference they've seen happen in the lives of those children. But we found out pretty early on that some of these communities that Compassion wants to work in, there are children there, but Compassion has this principle they've put in place where they won't help children in a community where there's no local church to connect them with. We found out that just for $80,000, we could help build a physical church and child development center. That's all it costs. So we said, we want to do that. So about a year and a half ago, we made a commitment with some other churches that we're partnering with, and we were able to raise $20,000 And that went towards building this church. And that building of that church actually started last month. So I want to check out this video that's a a compassion video that just kind of says thanks for the giving. And then tacked on to the end, we've put together our own Connect video to show you where some of that giving has gone. So check out this video. Think of the kids in your life and how much can happen to us in a year. We go from crawling to walking. From learning our ABCs to reading. Now take that and magnify it. For kids in poverty who have nothing to start with, a year is about more than growing bigger. It's about miracles. Your support of Compassion this year made it possible for more than a million kids to learn and grow, dream and hope. Thanks to you, the past 365 days have seen kids change from weak to strong. Hungry to fed, lost to found, lonely to having friends. 2014 was a year of growth and miracles because friends like you believe that a lot can happen in a year. Thank you so much for helping kids in poverty this year. We can't wait to see what 2015 holds. Connect Church raised $20,000 to partner with Compassion International and help build a church in Palmeril, Ecuador. Palmeril is the last Ecuadorian community before the Colombian border. 
Palmarill is a community of approximately 1,800 inhabitants, 98.6% of which live in poverty. The people of Palmarill are mainly shellfishers who, on a good day, may earn $5, but good days don't occur very often as availability of shellfish is seasonal. Earlier this year, Pastor Edison McKay took on the role of lead pastor of the new church in Palmarill, the Roca de la Eternidad Church, or Rock of Eternity Church. At the same time, Compassion International traveled to Palmarill to enroll approximately 200 children in the child sponsorship program. Since then, the children have been attending the project once per week in a local school under the direction of project director and wife of Pastor Edison, Yina Vaca. They will continue to meet in the school until the new project facilities are constructed and ready for use. The construction of the church and the Compassion Center began in October, thanks in part to the funds raised by Connect. And thank you, Connect Church, for rescuing these children from poverty in Jesus' name. You know, it's just so amazing to think that, you know, thousands of miles away, just a little bit that you did is, is going to make a difference in the lives of these children forever. So that construction of that church is underway. Um, if you've ever wanted to look into more about what it would look like to sponsor a child for Compassion, we actually have, there are still over 70 children in that community where that church will be built that need sponsoring. And we got pictures of some of those children this morning back at the Connect Point. And you could actually sign up today and say, yeah, I'd like to um, receive a packet on this child right here because I think our family would love to sponsor a child knowing that not only are we helping that child with his clothing, education, food, but he's going to be going to a church that our church helped build, a church the Connect Church helped establish there. So if you want to know more about that, there's info out by the uh, Connect Point this morning. But here's the great thing about when it comes to generosity and giving. Like some of us would love to know as followers of Jesus, how are we doing? You know, it's been a year now, it's been two years, it's been five years, it's been ten years. It's, sometimes it's hard to gauge areas of our life. We call it our spiritual maturity. You know, do I know more than I knew last year? Maybe. Do I love more than I loved last year? I think I do. Do I have more faith? Do I have, you know, those are things that are hard to measure. But, but when it comes to giving, we can know how much we gave. We can know how much we gave, and we can know how much um, we gave last year and how much we gave this year. That's an amazing um, way of tracking our spiritual growth. So when it comes to giving, this is a great way of determining, you know, how am I doing? Last year I gave this much. This year, have I grown in my relationship with Jesus? Because that's what I want to talk about this week when it comes to looking up generosity. It's that idea of stretching ourselves, saying, maybe I'm here this morning and I've reached what I thought was the requirement, but I've always looked at that as the finish line, not the starting line. I've been dying to tell this story for the last three weeks. In fact, I knew I was telling it today, so I've been uh, excited to tell you this story. So I want to talk about a guy, he's a bit of a hero of mine, he's a pastor, his name's Rick Warren. Okay, Pastor Rick Warren. You may have heard of him. He's the pastor of a church out in California. Um, his church runs like 20,000 people. It's a massive church. He hangs around with leaders and presidents and presidential hopefuls. He's working on a lot of charity work with AIDS and combating AIDS around the world. So he hangs out with his buddy Bono. And I'm like, oh, I want to hang out with Bono. So... He's just doing this amazing stuff. And if you haven't heard of him as a pastor, you may have heard of him because of a book he wrote called The Purpose Driven Life. Anyone heard of that book, The Purpose Driven Life? Well, Rick Warren, he's this just regular pastor. He writes this book, and it suddenly becomes a huge bestseller. 
number one on the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, sells millions and millions of copies around the world. In fact, outside of the Bible, it's the highest-selling Christian book that's ever been written. And of course, with all these books being sold, suddenly comes a lot of income. So this guy, over and above being a pastor, is now starting to get paid for all of these books that are sold that he wrote. So he goes just from kind of average to now being super, super wealthy. But I read this article about him. I'd heard this story before, and I just read recently in um, a, uh, a Forbes article. And he was talking about his wealth and his retirement and things like that. He says, listen, yeah, the book has brought me tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But I drive a 12-year-old Ford. I've lived in the same house for the last 22 years. I bought my watch at Walmart. I don't own a boat or a jet. And I love that. Because, you know, I think sometimes um, pastors who are of big churches, maybe wealthy congregations, they can, they can give this a bad idea but he, or a bad reputation. But he's like, no, this is me. In fact, he decided when all this money started to come in, he had a few things he did. The first thing he did was he worked out how many years he'd worked to the church, how much they paid him in all that time, and he wrote a check to the church and paid it all back. He says, I don't want to be in debt to my church anymore. I want to pay them, and I will no longer receive a salary because my book sales are enough that I could live on for the rest of my life. So he paid back the church, took no more salary from the church. He set up two foundations, one to help pastors who are growing churches and one to help children and adults who are struggling with or who are affected by AIDS around the world, children who are orphaned by AIDS. But my most favorite thing about uh, Rick Warren is he came up with this other idea. He decided to become a reverse tither, a reverse tither. So if you weren't here last week, we talked about the idea that tithing is, is 10% of our income. And, and the Bible teaches you know, that that's a, a good standard for what we should give when we um, give to a local church. He says, I'm going to be a reverse tither. I'm going to live on 10% and I'm going to give 90%. So he chose to make this flip and to live on just 10% and give away 90% of his income. He was being interviewed in this article for Forbes, and the reason they were interviewing him was because they were talking about retirement. Like, should you be giving away so much money if you're thinking about retirement? He said, listen, he said, when I was younger, I, I, my dad taught me this principle, 10, 10, 80. You give 10 away, you put 10 in savings, and you learn to live on the 80. He said, because I did that from a young age, we're set. Even before the book started selling, me and my wife and family, we were set for our retirement. He says this, he says, I gave it all back because I didn't want anyone to think that what I do, I do because of money. He goes, I just love Jesus. The Bible teaches that we are to love people and use money, but we often get that reversed and you start loving money and using people to get more money. He says, money is simply a tool to be used for good. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're kind of like me. Well, listen, Dave, I love that idea. And when I write a best-selling book, I'll do that as well. <laughs> When the millions start rolling in, well, I will jump right up and live on 10 and uh, give away 90. But here's the backstory of Rick Warren that not everyone knows. You see, him and his wife, Kay, they moved to Southern California to start this church about 30 or 35 years ago. And they decided as a young married couple that, that God was challenging them to, to climb this generosity ladder. So very early on in their ministry, they actually started to give a little bit more. They started to give 11%. Then another year or two went by, and they stepped that up to 12, then 13. And they, they were looking for more ways to give. They were adding to that. So when it comes to the monetary success of, of this book, Purpose Driven Life, 
I think it happened because God knew that Rick was someone who could handle it. And that's why God entrusted it to him. I've even heard him say, I'm not surprised God wanted the message of this book to get out there. I'm just surprised that God chose me to write it. But I'm not. I think God chose him because God knew that he could be trusted with the kind of resources that were going to come back as a result of this book. You see, if we don't prove to God that we can be trusted with what we have now, then why should he trust us with more? Don't you think he's much more likely to bless people who are likely to bless others? That's what you see happening in the life of Rick Warren. So what does this look like for you and I to continue moving up this generosity ladder? Perhaps for some, it means living on less so we can give more away. Maybe that's been a challenge for some of us during this series. Maybe for others, it's, it's getting our finances in order. Many of us here have regrets about past financial decisions. Maybe we're in a difficult place right now. We have people here at Connect, leaders and wonderful people in the financial areas who have a heart and a skill to help you manage money, to get out of debt. If you're in that situation, you're like, Dave, I want to give, but this, this side of my life is a mess. Please contact one of us. We'd love to partner you, connect you with these people and these resources. For others of us, maybe it's just um, looking up, dreaming forward, saying, God, what could you do that would stretch me a little bit beyond where I am right now? You see, the other thing I love about this passage that Paul wrote, he wrote to the Corinthians to brag a little bit about this, this group of believers in Macedonia. He goes, let me tell you what these people are doing. Do you know, I get together with, with friends of mine who have planted churches, and some of them are around a very similar time, and I say, man, God's just been really good. There's been some struggles and some trials and some rough times, but the reality is we've got some great people at Connect Church. They're doing some amazing things. You see, as a leadership team here, we've been dreaming about where we're headed and the, the path that God has us on in the church and what it's going to take to get there. But the reality is we never look back and, and we never forget what it's taken to bring us this far. In fact, sometimes it's almost a little bit of a problem because you can come in here on a Sunday morning you can see the, the chair set up, that amazing guy who was judging your makeup habits as he was parking your cars this morning. You know, we've got the amazing children's area, all these amazing things going on and think, man, this church has got it all together. They're great. And we actually forget that we're still a baby. We're two years old as far as churches go. And as cool as it is when babies look grown up, we are still a baby. We look a lot like a grown up church, but we're still very young. And I look at all we've accomplished in our two short years, and I'm so encouraged. Like Paul, I want to brag on Connect. Despite being two years old, we've been able to support so many organizations and church plants through your giving. We're able to employ six staff members currently, most of who are part-time, but there are six people who bring leadership, quality leadership to different areas here in the church, like children and youth. But I think we're just getting started. And when we talk about generosity, it's because we're excited about what the future brings. We want more people to experience the real Jesus and find their way back to God. We want to add more staff members to help us do this more effectively. We want to help plant more churches like Connect. We want to one day find ourselves a permanent location to meet in. We want Connect to be so active here in this community that if we were to close down tomorrow, people outside of the church, not members of the Connect, people outside of the church would notice we were gone and would miss us. Because what we are doing as a, as a church family makes such a difference in this community and this world that if we were to close our doors, it would affect those outside. 
It's not about numbers, but it's about that discipline for us to put our faith in God and to stretch ourselves. Stretch ourselves in our giving because we're giving to a cause here. Stretch ourselves so that more people will find their way back to God. Stretch ourselves because all of this is beyond us right now. All of, us is, all of this is the future, the dreams that God gives us. So I want to ask as we close out this series this morning, what is your role in this? I want to challenge you to ask God, what role do I need to play in this journey that we're on? What does it look like for, for me to, to look up this ladder? And wherever we find ourselves on the ladder, say, God, I, I, I want a year from now to look back and say, you know what? I've actually moved up that ladder. The first breakthrough in my life was moving from giving to, or from getting to giving. That generosity idea, and then, and then seeing myself um, grow in that area. What does it look like for you to engage the people in your life who are currently far from God? What would it look like for you to bring them, maybe during our Christmas series that's going to begin in a couple of weeks? Because let's be honest, everyone goes to church at Christmas. So why not bring them to connect? What is your role in helping these dreams come true? Let's pray as we close out this series for all that God has and every way that he would lead us in this area. God, Lord, I feel like as we've talked about generosity, it would be wrong not to acknowledge the incredibly generous people that are in this church who give on a regular basis, who give over and above. Even this morning I had a conversation with someone who was asking if there was um, something that he and his family could do this Christmas to, to help someone. He wants to give back this Christmas time. Just some wonderful people, Lord, who are committed to giving. Last week, Lord, many filled out those tithe cards and, and some said, this is the first time I've ever done this. But they wanted to be stretched in that and, and to see this area of their life be something that they give over to you and say, God, I want you to be the, the Lord of my life and the Lord of my finances. I don't want to be like that monkey who's trapped because I can't let go. I'm holding on so tightly to this. So stretch us, Lord. Help us every time we see a ladder to think, man, where am I on my generosity ladder? When was the last time I stretched myself a little bit and maybe gave a little bit more? Because ultimately, Lord, those who support Connect on a regular basis, they're giving to the mission of Connect Church that is helping lost people. Lost people in Washington, Lost people in Minnesota, lost people in Ecuador, helping lost people find their way back to God, like so many of us here this morning have. Thank you, Lord, that we're a part of that and continue to stretch us in this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.